Imagine a world without computers, can we? It's hard to even think about it. Exactly. Today we can't imagine a day without using computers, our smartphones, the internet. The digital world has become a part of our lives. But where does all this tech come from? Just how did we go from counting with pebbles to developing artificial intelligence? A radical journey, isn't it? With each step towards advancing technology, we kept changing and shaping the society we live in. Indeed. It all started somewhere, didn't it? From the ancient abacus to Blaise Pascal's Pascaline, the first mechanical calculator, we were always seeking better ways to calculate and process information. That's quite fascinating. We've always been trying to improve, innovate and discover new ways to make complex tasks simpler, faster. True. With each invention, each discovery, we move forward embracing change and shaping our future. The creation of the first general-purpose computer, ENIAC, was such a landmark. It revolutionised how we processed and stored data. The evolution of the computer technology represents a remarkable human achievement. Not just the machinery, but even the birth of Silicon Valley and its role in driving this tech revolution. It's a narrative woven with fascinating details. So now we stand in an age of personal computers, AI and groundbreaking advancements in computer science. We can only imagine where we are headed next. Abacus ever heard about it, Norma? Well, it's some kind of ancient calculator, I think. That's quite accurate, Norma. The abacus actually predates our written history. It was invented around 2000 BC in the ancient times, long before the conception of digital technology or even the mechanical calculators. That's unthinkable, considering we are now interacting with artificial intelligence. Yes, it feels like a completely different era altogether, doesn't it? The abacus works on a simple yet ingenious principle. It uses rows of beads or stones, which could be moved back and forth on a series of rods or wires. And how did these beads help in calculations? Each move of the bead represented a counting unit, such as ones, tens, hundreds and so on, much like how the digits in a number are counted today. So it was somewhat like addition and subtraction? Yes, Norma. It served as a physical representation of a computation problem, which could be manipulated to find the answer. It was widely used in trade and commerce throughout different cultures. In fact, in some parts of the world like China, Japan and Russia, different variations of the abacus are still used to this day. That's fabulous. A tech that surpassed centuries. Indeed. More surprisingly, though, is how similar the idea of the abacus is to our modern digital counters. Both are pragmatic tools crafted to simplify the task of calculating. Just as we have advanced from the primitive abacus to today's supercomputers, imagine the progress we could make in the future with the current pace of technological advancement. Ever wondered what came after the abacus, Norma? Let's talk about the first mechanical calculator, the Pascaline, developed by the French mathematician Blaise Pascal. Never thought about it. What does it look like? The Pascaline was a small metallic and fairly simple box. It contained multiple dials, each representing a digit place. When one dial went all the way around, it would then advance the next dial just like a casodometer. Interesting. But how did it lay ground for modern computing? Well, it was a decisive step towards the automation of calculations. The Pascaline was certainly not as advanced as our computers today, but it did simplify arithmetic operations. 
With its introduction, it became possible to obtain accurate results quickly, stimulating further progress in this field. However, like all inventions, it had its limitations. For example, it was primarily designed for addition and subtraction, although you could still perform multiplication and division by repeatedly adding or subtracting. Okay, so it was more like an advanced abacus then. Exactly, Norma. The journey didn't stop there, though. Other inventors like Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz and Charles Babbage made attempts to develop their own mechanical calculators. For example, Leibniz's stepped reckoner could actually multiply directly and Babbage's difference engine introduced the idea of programmability. That's quite a progression. It sure is. These inventions represented a crucial step in the pathway to modern machines. Every advancement was a stepping stone and they directly and indirectly served as precursors to the computers we know today. Norma, have you ever heard of a computer called ENIAC? It's the first general-purpose computer ever created. You've got my attention. What does ENIAC stand for? The acronym ENIAC stands for Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer. It was, in essence, the first truly programmable computer, and it was a huge machine. How huge are we talking here? Imagine a computer that takes up an entire room, about 1,800 square feet to be precise. That's the size of ENIAC. Weighing in at almost 30 tonnes, the machine was composed of about 17,500 vacuum tubes. That's hard to picture. But were these vacuum tubes like vacuum cleaners vacuum? Haha. <laughs> Good question, but not quite. These vacuum tubes were a key component in electronics before the advent of the integrated circuit. They're sort of the forefathers to today's transistors, allowing current to flow and helping control and amplify signals. And who were the minds behind this massive invention? The credit goes to John Morkley and J. Presper Eckert, two brilliant engineers who met at the University of Pennsylvania during World War II. The ENIAC was designed and built to assist the military with complex calculations, much like an army of human computers. This is fascinating. I can't help but think, how did it operate compared to today's computers? Great question. Although by today's standards it seems primitive, the ENIAC was monumentally important for that time and represented a quantum leap in engineering capability. However, it was certainly slower compared to our modern devices. Today, even a simple calculator is faster than ENIAC. Yet this pioneering innovation sowed the seeds for the digital revolution we're living today. Continuing on our journey of technological evolution, let's turn the clock forward to the advent of microprocessors and integrated circuits. You know it's this little silicon piece of puzzle that triggered a technological revolution and brought us to the age of miniaturised computing we see today. Right. I've read somewhere that these microprocessors are basically tiny computers on a single electronic component. It's quite hard to fathom considering how we just talked about the ENIAC that consumed an entire room. Undoubtedly, the shift from room-sized mammoth machines to compact chips was monumental. This whole shift in technology gained momentum in the place that we now regard as the tech mecca, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, right? That's the hotspot for all these huge tech giants now. But how did the microprocessors lead to the formation of Silicon Valley? It's quite an interesting story. This change had a lot to do with companies like Intel, which were among the pioneers in developing these microprocessors. Intel's 4004 microprocessor, released in the early 70s, played a significant role. It was the first commercial microprocessor 
and it revolutionized the industry by enhancing computing power while dramatically reducing the size and cost. This sparked the Silicon Revolution. Huh, I get it. So it allowed more companies and individuals to have access to and make use of computing power. But what about the name? Why Silicon Valley? Validation point, Norma. Silicon is a material widely used in semiconductor devices, including microprocessors, due to its excellent properties. The creation of these silicon-based semiconductors, in times, led to the rapid growth of tech companies in the Santa Clara County of California, hence it being christened as Silicon Valley. It served as a breeding ground for innovation and played a crucial part in escalating the tech boom we see now. So after the microprocessor boom, we saw the rise of personal computers and two titan companies, Apple and IBM, locked horns in shaping this new market. It's like a technological David and Goliath story, isn't it? Absolutely. To think that these two very different companies, in terms of their approaches, were vying to dominate the personal computer market is intriguing. IBM was already a powerful, established corporation, while Apple was a budding newcomer in the tech industry. That's right. And the differences were evident beyond just the size and history of the companies. IBM leaned towards an open architecture model, meaning other computer manufacturers could replicate their designs. But Apple, on the other hand, took a different route with closed architecture, keeping their technology exclusive. This subtlety had shaped the face of the personal computer market as we see it today. Oh, so does that mean IBM's decision facilitated the growth of many other PC manufacturers? Exactly. The IBM-compatible PCs became a standard of sorts. But while IBM was influencing the industry in one way, Apple was cultivating its own unique direction. They focused on developing an easy-to-use and visually appealing interface, which laid roots for the user-friendly devices we herald today. It's fascinating to see how these different approaches carved niches within the same market. But these weren't the only players in the field, right? Definitely. The personal computer revolution featured other key players like Microsoft and Intel. Microsoft in particular had an instrumental role by providing an operating system, MS-DOS, for IBM's computers, which helped standardise software across different hardware platforms. Meanwhile, Intel continued to enhance the computing power by following Moore's Law. Moore's Law? Can you remind me about that? Moore's Law is a prediction made by Gordon Moore, co-founder of Intel in the 60s. He forecasted that the number of transistors on a microchip would double roughly every two years while the cost would halve. This prediction has largely held true and has been the guiding force behind hardware development. It's the reason we've seen such rapid advancements and miniaturization in computer technology. And after the birth of personal computers came about something that transformed the way we share information forever. The Internet. True, it started as a defence project, right? Yes, the Internet was originally developed as ARPANET, a project commissioned by the US Department of Defence for Military Communications. A military tech becoming a global communication platform. Striking, isn't it? Indeed, Norma. This transition from military to public use marked a crucial turning point. Early forms of the Internet weren't as refined or user-friendly like what we use today. Must have been tough navigating. What improved it? Changes came gradually. For example, the development of HTML, the language in which web pages are written, made creating and reading online content much easier. 
The World Wide Web, invented by Tim Berners-Lee, also facilitated easy navigation across the internet. And that also drove the need for web browsers, right? Correct. Web browsers were developed to make the internet more accessible to ordinary people. Early browsers like Mosaic and Netscape brought the internet into homes, improving access to information. But not all homes, I imagine. After all, setting up internet must have been expensive. Yes, and that led to the digital divide, an inequality in access to the internet due to a multitude of factors. But with time and expanding technology, the gap is shrinking. I see, but the rise of the internet must have accelerated things in tech too. Absolutely. It made way for remote computing, allowing people to access their files and applications from anywhere as long as they have internet access. Arguably, the magic of computers lies in the software, the instructions that dictate how a machine operates. Kind of like a brain giving commands to a body. Yes, an apt metaphor. The foundation of software is programming languages. They evolved from low-level assembly language to high-level ones like Python and Java. This evolution made software development more efficient and opened doors for different applications. Different applications like what? From designing websites and apps to scientific research and data analysis. Then there are data structures, another pivotal concept in computing. They allow us to organise and manipulate data efficiently in a computer's memory. Interesting. So just like an artist arranges elements on a canvas. Quite so, Norma. Now shifting gears to artificial intelligence or AI, it's been a topic of interest since the birth of modern computers. The goal was to make machines that could mimic human thought. AI has made strides, but still hasn't fully realised its initial vision. I guess AI is one of those fields that's always seen as the future. It's intriguing, but also a bit intimidating to me. It can seem that way given its complexity, but AI has permeated everyday life, often without us noticing. Machine learning, a subset of AI, leverages the wealth of data we now have to teach machines to make predictions or recommendations. It powers a lot of things we take for granted like online shopping recommendations or virtual assistants. So AI is already among us, like a silent revolution. What about big data? Heard a lot about it, but what exactly is it? Big data? refers to extremely large data sets that can be analysed to reveal patterns or trends. With the digital world around us creating so much data every moment, managing and analysing this data has become a huge field of work. It has sparked revolution in sectors from healthcare to marketing. Amazing how something so complex is shaping so many areas of life. Imagine a world without computers. No emails, no online shopping, no internet. And no digital art. I wouldn't have been able to experiment with my art so freely. Indeed, Norma. The rise of personal computers has brought massive shifts, not only in the fields of work and education, but also in the world of arts and entertainment. Certainly. Today we can learn virtually anything online. Education isn't confined to classrooms anymore, and work isn't just in office buildings. I remember reading about the early days of computers. They were only for the elite or for large organisations. Who would have thought we'd reach a point where there are more digital devices than people? I guess the commoditization of personal computers really transformed our economy. Suddenly small businesses could compete with larger enterprises in some ways. On a cultural level, computers and the internet have altered how we interact. Remember writing letters? Now we have instant messaging and social media. Sure, it has made communication faster and easier. 
But I wonder how much of the human touch have we lost in our conversations? That's an interesting point, Norma. Maybe in all this digital noise, we might be losing our ability to connect on a deeper level. It's something to ponder upon. As computers evolved from a simple tool for calculations to a powerful machine carrying world's information, it has also evolved from a security perspective, right? Absolutely, Ching. In the early days, computer security wasn't much of a concern. All you had to worry about was maybe someone sneaking into your office and messing with your punch cards. I'm assuming it's much more complex now with the internet? Oh, totally different situation. Today, with devices connected over the internet, threats can come from anywhere in the world. Hackers can infiltrate systems for a variety of reasons, like stealing personal information, causing havoc, or even political motives. That's worrisome. And the increasing data we're producing makes it even more concerning. Yes, and that's not all. These advanced computers and the vast amount of data they process also present privacy concerns. Think about it. So many services we use daily, like shopping or entertainment websites, collect our information. I didn't know that level of detail. But people wouldn't just hand over their information, would they? Surprisingly, many do without realising it. Agreeing to vague terms and conditions, continuously sharing posts on social media, it all adds up to digital footprint that companies take advantage of. I see. So the benefits of technology advancement come with a price. That's why cybersecurity is crucial. It safeguards us from these threats and helps ensure our data remains confidential and secure. It's a critical field that's growing along with the tech industry itself. Norma, have you ever heard of e-waste? You mean like old discarded electronics? Exactly. As the computer industry evolves rapidly, every year millions of old computers and tech gadgets end up as waste. This electronic waste, or e-waste, poses a significant environmental challenge. That can't be good. I mean, computers have heavy metals and hazardous substances, right? Yes. If improperly discarded, computers can cause serious environmental pollution. Plus, there's the issue of energy usage. Computers and data centres consume a massive amount of electricity, contributing to greenhouse gas emissions. I never really thought about that side of things. It's a less well-known aspect of the tech boom. But it's important to highlight because it raises questions about the sustainability of the computing industry. So what can be done? Is there any way to make the industry more sustainable? Definitely. Better recycling and disposal processes can help minimise the impact of e-waste and energy-efficient designs can reduce the power consumption of our devices. Companies are also exploring renewable energy sources for data centres. Oh, that's reassuring. And it's also worth mentioning, despite these challenges, computers have significantly contributed to environmental science. Through climate modelling, biodiversity databases and other computational tools, scientists are better equipped to understand and address global environmental concerns. So it's a two-edged sword then. Computers can be part of the problem but also part of the solution. That's quite an apt description, Norma. Now, Norma, considering your background in fine arts, I wonder how you see the influence of computers on art. Well, Ching, I've seen a profound transformation in the art sector. Computers, and more specifically digital technology, have not only changed the way art is made, but also how it is consumed. Can you share some of the ways art production has changed? Certainly. We now have an array of digital tools and software that artists can use to create digital art. 
From graphic design to 3D modeling, computers have expanded the spectrum of artistic possibilities. Basically, this digital canvas offers unlimited innovative flexibility for artists. Indeed. And it's not just the creation process, right? The interaction between the consumer and the art form has also been transformed. Absolutely. From digital galleries to virtual reality experiences, computers have broadened access to art. For instance, many world-famous museums now offer virtual tours, making art more accessible to a global audience. It's a new way of consuming art that wasn't available earlier. That's fascinating. And how has your personal journey with the computer arts intersection been? I must admit, initially I was somewhat sceptical of integrating art with computers, thinking it would lose its authenticity. Yet over time I've embraced this evolution. Today I utilise digital tools in my art creation process, and I've launched my online art gallery. My art reached audiences that I couldn't have otherwise. Thanks for sharing, Norma. I guess technology comes with its own set of challenges too, right? For sure, Ching. One aspect is the loss of physicality. Art created and consumed digitally doesn't have a tactile quality. Also, the lines between originality and duplication blur in digital art. Yet despite these, the positive aspects outnumber, making digital art a potent game-changer. Let's visualise the future of computing, Norma. The potential developments are awe-inspiring. I believe we are standing at the brink of the next phase, where technologies like quantum computing, AI and machine learning would play pivotal roles. Interesting, Ching. So in what way do you see these advanced technologies influencing our future? Well, speaking about quantum computing, imagine a computer not limited to binary zeros and ones, but functioning with multiple states at once. This could potentially solve intractable problems, enable instantaneous processing of massive data, and even simulate complex phenomena. As for AI and machine learning, they could revolutionise every sector, right? That's mind-boggling. But expanding on AI, my intrigue lies in how it could reshape fields like art. I'm really curious about how AI-generated art might take form. That's an enticing prospect, Norma. We can sense a wave of transformation, especially in sectors like healthcare, where predictive modelling can aid in disease prevention. Or considering the ongoing Mars missions, imagine AI assisting in capturing and interpreting space data, fundamentally changing our approach to space exploration. Spaceships driven by AI, now that's a sci-fi turned reality. But the rise of cloud computing too seems notable, right? True, Norma. Cloud computing essentially allows you to remotely access software, file storage and processing power. It's most certainly a key element redefining the present and future of computing, catalyzing unprecedented connectivity and possibilities. Norma, as we unravel the hidden wavy threads of computer history, taking us from ancient abacus to state-of-the-art AI, aren't you awestruck by the pulsating power and potential of this creation? It's overwhelming, Ching, to think that these machines have gone from mere mathematical tools to becoming the heart of nearly every aspect of our lives. They're not just devices, they're now inseparable from human existence. Exactly, Norma. Our dependency on computers has grown so much that being without them even for a few hours seems impossible. They've revolutionised communication, work, study and even our leisure activities. And from an artist's perspective, they've reimagined the realm of creativity, offering a virtually infinite palette of possibilities. I never thought I'd see the day when AI could generate art. 
And let's not forget their role in life-critical sectors like healthcare, predicting diseases, assisting in complex surgeries. The application is profound, and yet we still have so many unexplored vistas in front of us. But as we speed ahead, Ching, I wonder if we're making sure to buckle up. The intersection between technical progress and ethical conduct is often slippery, don't you think? I share your concern, Norma. As much as these advancements promise us a brighter future, without a careful approach they can turn into formidable threats. Be it cybersecurity, privacy, or even AI taking over jobs, these are real challenges that we must address conscientiously. So it's about harnessing this power responsibly, right? Balancing the march of progress with the preservation of our human values. Exactly, Norma. It's about using this remarkable tool called the computer to magnify our capabilities while keeping the reins firmly in our hands. After all, it's the human in human advancement that matters the most. Norma, as we finish for today, how do you feel we've fared in our journey from the raw and rudimentary abacus to the sophisticated algorithms of AI? It's been a revelation, Ching. We've touched upon countless milestones, rode alongside technological giants, and navigated the pivotal moments that sculpted the tech-savvy world we inhabit today. That's true, Norma. And as we retraced this journey, we discovered how the progression of computational technology became an integral part of our societal evolution. From transforming civilian lives to sparking global revolutions, computers have made a phenomenal impact. Unquestionably, Ching, the birth of Silicon Valley, the advent of personal computers and the internet-led revolution, all these landmarks have not just changed what we do, but also how we think. It's particularly fascinating to see the integration of computers and AI in arts. Yes, and it's imperative to remember that technology desires our understanding as much as our curiosity. Let's continue to unearth the roots of modern technology to appreciate the marvels we often take for granted. Interested listeners, we're unveiling more fascinating evolutionary tales on our next Tech Lineage podcast, so stay tuned. Han Di Ching. Today's discussion highlighted how our lives are intricately woven with technology. As we move forward, we must strive to harness these advancements responsibly to create a harmonious marriage between technological progress and human development.